I mean, you know, don't let that little thing on the edge of your Bible that says Holy Bible fool you. Nobody in there without Jesus was holy. Come on. Amen. Elijah was a case. I mean, he killed like 850 false prophets in one day by his bad self. And then the next chapter, he's running from one woman. Gentlemen, there's a message in this. Isaiah preached naked. We would lose our credentials for sure. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Simon Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying just before he died. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul the Apostle, was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer, and Lazarus was dead. I feel real good about myself today. Hallelujah. I'm glad I, rem- I reminded myself of all those guys, you know. 1 John chapter 4. Why do I love Jesus? You know, uh, there's so many religions and isms and ideas in the world today, and, and everybody says, you know, you stay on your side and I'll stay on mine. That's okay. I'll accept you. And nothing wrong with acceptance and loving people because they are just people. We, we shouldn't put so many labels on folks. They're just people with souls that need God. Come on. Amen. But we Christians are kind of adamant about one thing, that Jesus is the way. That Jesus is not a way among many, but he is the way, the truth, and the life. And, you know, I'm I'm just going to share a few little points. And these have ministered to me personally so I can preach with passion today because it's ministered to me to think about this. Look at 1 John 4, 9. Excuse me, chapter 4 and verse 19. Chapter 4, verse 19 of 1 John. We love him because he first loved us. You know, I wasn't looking for him. Most of us weren't really uh, seeking out God. Well, we kind of were because there's this big hole in our heart that God put there. The, the Scripture says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that God put eternity in our hearts. There's a place there that only God can fill. And none of the things and the stuff and all the things of this life can really satisfy that part of you. God has a niche inside of you that only He can fill. And you'll never be content until He fills it, right? Amen. But... Um, I wasn't really looking for him. He was looking for me. He's the shepherd on the sheep. You know, of all the animals that God could have referred to as an example, you know, as a metaphor. I mean, really, sheep? I don't know anything about sheep. I'm a horse guy. I can talk horses with you all day. But they say that sheep are pretty stupid. They just, all they're thinking about is right now, you know, that grass is really good and I'm going to stick my head in here and not even look up for four hours. And you know, and after a while, I, I've eaten so much and my tummy's full and I'm going to look around and all of a sudden, all the other sheep are gone. <laughs> you know, we have a little song we sing, I don't want to be a Pharisee, come on. I don't want to be a Pharisee because they're just not fair, you see. I just want to be a sheep. I just want to be a sheep. I don't want to be a Sadducee. Come on. I don't want to be a Sadducee. Because they're just too Sadducee. I just want to be a sheep. I just want to be a sheep. That wasn't in my notes, but I sure enjoyed it. That was fun. Okay. I love him because he first loved me. If we can ever get saturated in that truth that God loves us. You know, sometimes you need to remind Christians that God loves them. 
They knew that before they were saved. They knew that before they were born again. But along the trail, we get into all the Christianese and Christian doing. Acts chapter 17, verse 28, Paul told the people at Athens, he said, in him we live and move and have our being. It's more about what we're being than what we're doing. If we could get the being fixed, the, we, we would do right. If we could get our innards fixed, come on, our hearts changed through the new birth. He starts on the inside. Religion always starts on the outside. If I do a bunch of stuff, I'll get a bunch of brownie points with God and he'll be really good to me. No, it's too late. God already decided what he thought about you 2,000 years ago on the cross. Amen. When he sent his son. So why do I love Jesus? He first loved me. Turn to Romans chapter 8. The second reason I love Jesus is because it took somebody better than me to fix me. I said that to somebody the other day, and they looked at me. It's kind of sad that you really have to explain that. But, you know, uh, Brother Bowman, would you explain the virgin birth of Christ? Well, I'd rather not try. I'll just tell you this. I figure if God could make those Rocky Mountains out there, he could probably impregnate a woman without using the conventional means. So the one growing in her womb was not the son of Joseph. Did you know Jesus had half-brothers and sisters? I don't want to freak you out, but <laughs> Sister Mary got married. Come on. She had other children, and Jesus had half-brothers and sisters. They had the same mama, but different pop. Well, who was his dad? God the Father! Hallelujah! He had no sin. He was sinless. Oh, my God. That's why we talk about this Jesus guy so much and they get mad at us. You Christians, you're just kind of adamant about this Jesus fella. They'll talk about God all day, but you start talking about Jesus. It's like, hey, listen, it's not because we want to be mean or anything. It's just it took somebody better than me to fix me. He was not the son of Joe. He was God's son. Come on, amen. And he was the only one that could really die for us in our place. Look at Romans 8. There is therefore, in, in verses 1 through 4, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now the flesh, when Paul refers to flesh, he's not always talking about the physical body. Matter of fact, most of the time when he's referring to the physical body, he says body. But the flesh is more our, our own ability outside of God. What I can do in my own strength and power, okay? If you put that in there, it really makes sense. Who walk not after what they can do in their own power, but after the Spirit. Can I hear an amen in Colorado Springs? Look at verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. There's a higher law called the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I know nothing about airplanes, just how to ride in them. But they tell me that there's a law of lift that supersedes the law of gravity. Well, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has superseded the law of spiritual death. Hallelujah. God has trumped it. God has fixed it through the cross. I, I used to read these next couple verses, and it was kind of mumbo-jumbo. It's kind of, for the law, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. <laughs> Whoa, unravel that baby for me. I'm reading out of King Jimmy, 
not because I worship King Jimmy. It's just I'm a little bit old school. I'm 58 years old. This is what I spent 43 years memorizing, so why change now? But in my library, I have about 25 or 30 translations, and I love most of them. So whatever you're reading from, I'm sure this is what you'll get from it, the uh, gist of what we're saying here. But listen to what it says here in King Jimmy. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Now, you know, we were the conduit. We were what God, in the Old Testament, the law, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. That, that's not saying anything was wrong with God's law. But it is saying that the characters that had to live up to it <laughs> had a long way to go. See, people say, I keep the Ten Commandments. That's great, man. That is absolutely the foundation of society. Thank God for the Ten Commandments. If you have that little thing up in your, up in your front yard, we believe the Ten Commandments. Good for you. You ought to live by the Ten Commandments. The Ten, the ten Commandments are wonderful. But how about the other 603? <laughs> Nailed you, didn't it? You need a Savior too, don't you? Well, I needed money, but I had none. I fought the law and come on, law one. I fought the law and law. Listen, listen to my words. <laughs> well, I tried holiness, but I had none. I fought the law and law one. Trying to keep the law, but the law. Well, I tried even harder, but it help none. I fought the law. Some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm having fun. Leave me alone. Okay. Okay. Here's the, here's the middle part. Feeling guilty is here to stay. I'm never good enough. I always fall flat on my face. I fought the law and the law one. Try to keep all 613 of them and the law one. You haven't heard the gospel yet. Here's the gospel. I needed a Savior and I found one. He fulfilled the law and I won. Come on, come on. I fulfilled the law and I I got chills just thinking about it. I've been talking about this for 43 years. I'm still not over it. For what the law could not do. I was driving up through Dayton, Ohio one day. I was praying and saying, Lord, I really want people to get this verse because you, you, you have showed it to me and give me some terms. Well, he, the illustration that came to mind immediately was that you can have the nicest car engine wheels, but if the tire is flat, it will limit what that vehicle is able to do. Now, the law is the vehicle. But the conduit, the transportation to get it accomplished had to go on flat tires. Look at verse 3 again. For what the wheels could not do in that they were weak through flat tires, God sent AAA. Come on now. <laughs> in other words, God knew all along we weren't going to be able to keep all these rules. And James really knocked us down big time in chapter 2, verse 10, when he said, if we keep the whole law yet offended in one point, we're guilty of all of it. Ouch. Well, I'm a pretty good guy. Let me ask you this. How good is good? What's your standard? How would you know? 
I was reading a fellow the other day, and he said, yeah, you keep your plastic containers, you collect your cans, you give to the, 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 to the to all kinds of organizations. You're a nice little citizen. You, you ride your bicycle to work so you won't put bad stuff in the air, but you have the morality of an alley cat. <laughs> See, we, we're, we're selective in our holiness. A heifer walk, I mean, a woman walked up to me one night. And, and she said, Brother Bowman, do you practice the dietary laws of the Old Testament? Well, I know there's health reasons you can do that. But I said, no, I go to Waffle House occasionally. I believe in sausage. Nice crispy bacon on a cheeseburger occasionally. So she gave me a little speech, and I understand. And then I said, may I ask you a question? She said, sure. I said, have you offered any animal sacrifices today? She said, well, no. I said, oh, well, that's too bad because James said, if you keep the whole law yet offended in one point, you're guilty of all of it. <laughs> you need a Savior too, don't you? <laughs> See, this is what I'm trying to show you, folks. We couldn't do it. But God sent somebody better than us to fix it. And there was a righteousness. Oh, this is a good part. This will really give you chill bumps. In verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. There was a righteousness of the law. If somebody could perfectly keep it, there was a righteousness you could attain to. But look what it says. It says, we got that righteousness free from God because of what Jesus did. God looks at you as if you've kept His law because of what Jesus did for you. Come on, give Him a hand clap of praise. Why do I love Jesus? Because he's, he's, he's the only one that could fix me. Turn to Hebrews 8. Another reason I love Jesus, He treats me like I've done nothing wrong. He treats me that way. Chapter 8, verses. look at verse 12. Look what God said in chapter 8, verse 12. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities while I remember no more. Now, some people think that God has forgotten our sins. That's not really what the Bible says. There's an Old Testament scripture that says He separated our sins and iniquities as far as the east is from the west. There's another place that says He cast them into the depths of the sea. But as far as the word forget, God hasn't forgotten your sin. Let me show you what I'm talking about. It said He won't remember. Well, it's the same thing. No, it's really different. How many of you have ever read the story of King David where he was on the wrong rooftop the wrong night looking at the wrong woman? Come on now. He sinned, got in trouble, but he repented. God forgave him. He's with God today. Okay, God restored him. But listen, if God forgot that David had sinned, all God would have to do is go back and read his own book and find out about it. So in that sense, God, God knows everything about your past. But this word remember, by the way, did anybody wear your get happy clothes today? Because I'm happy. Come on. Is anybody, come on. Is anybody happy in the house today? Listen. Remember, I'm no Greek scholar, but I can read a concordance. Greek here for remember means to recall or bring it up. Now, when you think of it that way, have you ever been in a room with somebody that knew something about you? There's 25 people in the room, but you keep inching away, kind of, I don't think I want to talk to him. don't want to make eye contact with him today. He knows, or maybe somebody you owed money to. 
Huh, let's get out of here. That's that dude owe three hundred dollars. I never paid him back. Come on, you know you you avoid those who know things about you. Well, see, God knows everything. Did anybody wear your happy clothes? A couple of you forgot how to act in church. I can tell. Let me throw. I mean, help you here. Amen, brother. Praise the Lord. That's great. Hallelujah. Okay, let's try it one more time. Did anyone wear your happy clothes today? In spite of all God knows about me, he said, I will remember it no more. I will not bring it up. I will look you right in the face, right in the eye, and treat you like you're completely innocent because of what my son did for you. Hallelujah. Come on. In other words, if you're in sin or you've messed up or whatever, God is not surprised when you come to him with it. He never looks at you once and said, you did that? It's the first I knew about it. You know what I mean? No, we're not making light of sin either. But we're just showing you that God, through Jesus, what a friend you really have in Jesus. Come on. What a friend you have. Turn to Matthew 11. Another reason I love Jesus (laughs) is because his burden is light. Matthew, I said chapter 10, chapter 11, chapter 11, excuse me, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Now, I, I grew up in a full gospel, Pentecostal, charismatic. We, we, we go by lots of terms and titles and so forth. And we presently believe that God can still do the supernatural, that God's a healing God. And we believe in the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. And um, you're an open, open Bible church, and that's our doctrine. That's what we believe. But listen. Uh, this portion of Scripture right here, I've, I've always called this kind of a Methodist verse, a Baptist verse. You might hear this in a Lutheran church on Sunday morning. Nothing against the Baptists and the, the Methodists and the Lutherans, but, you know, because there's some words in here sometimes that aren't compatible with Pentecostals. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic as I could be. I hope you're picking up on this, okay? There are three Christian cuss words in these verses that we can't use in church. Because they're not compatible with the way we act and live sometimes. I will emphasize them. Verse 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Here's two bad ones. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Rest, easy, light. In the church I grew up in, there's no way. And you can still, when you're, when you're channel surfing, just get over in the Christian part of your cable and watch some of these preachers. They'll look right in the camera. I want you to know, children, today, when you're really on fire for God and you're really close to the Lord like you're supposed to be, you got to be miserable. <laughs> really? That's the impression they give? That's why we run from it so much. Jesus must not have got the memo. There must be a place. I'm not saying life's a dream. This isn't heaven, okay? Life's not perfect. It's not going to be perfect. Just quit trying that and you'll be a lot happier. But there must be a place of rest, easy, and light. (laughs) Some people have never found it. Sometimes I'm not there. I've not scored 100. He says, my burden is light. My yoke. Now, I don't know much about a, a yoke of oxen, you know. 
yoking up with God. I don't know about oxen. I just know how to eat them. <laughs> Somebody pass the A1 sauce. Hallelujah. Make that Heinz 57. Okay. But you know what I'm talking about? But, but they, they tell me that when, I, when, when, the, when those oxen are pulling a cart, there's a predominant one that pulls most of the weight, and the other one is there more for, for looks and kind of balance. Folks, that's a perfect picture of us and Jesus. We're yoked up with him. Now, the world can't see him. They can see you. And they look at you and go, look at him. There he comes to save the day. I mean, they look at you like you're Superman or you're perfect or you're some strong lady or some strong person. Really, it's not us that's really that cool. We're just hooked up to a really cool guy. And he's the one bearing the load. Heard a story about a guy who was out on a country road. Now, this, the first part of this, I'm just going to make it up as I go. Somewhere between here and Lamar, not quite to Kit Carson, okay? Out on some country road, some old guy was going a little too fast in his new car, and he went off in a ditch and got stuck, and it was after all this rain last week. I'm really making this up as I go. And, and, and he got stuck, you know, and he's spinning his wheels, and he can't get a call out, and what am I going to do? And then some, 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 some big old guy comes up and taps on the glass and says, uh, can help you. He said, man, I'm stuck. I wonder if you could call me a wrecker. He said, ah, you don't need no wrecker. If you want to know what that's called, red man, okay. You know the guy, every town has him. He got the big truck, you know, and a bib overalls, had a little crooked, and he chews red man. Okay. He'll help you at 3 o'clock in the morning when Christians won't. You know, and he's, can I, well, you don't need a wrecker. I'll, I'll just go get Buddy. He said, who is Buddy? Buddy's my horse. Be right back with Buddy. So he goes, and while he's going to get this horse, <laughs> the guy's thinking, you know. <laughs> he comes back with this big horse, harness and everything, hooks him up to the bumper. Says, get up, trigger, get him out of that ditch. Yeah. Nobody just stood there. He said, come on, Rose, come on, girl, pick him up, get that car out of that ditch. Yeah. And old buddy just stood there. He said, this guy's an idiot. He don't even know his horse's name. He said, come on, lightning, you got it. Get him up, boy. Yeah, get him out of there. And old buddy just stood there. He said, what in the world is going on? Then he said, Buddy, get the car out of the ditch. Buddy knew his name. When Buddy heard his name, he jumped in the gear. He bowed his shoulders, and you could hear that harness clanking. And he, he pulled that car out by himself. Guy was like totally impressed. He said, Sir, it's the coolest thing I've ever seen, but uh, how'd you do that? Why did you call out three other horse names before you got to Buddy? He said, Oh, Buddy is totally blind. Can't see a thing. And if he thought he's going to have to pull that car out by himself, he wasn't going to do anything. <laughs> but, but if he thought he had some help. Now, I don't know about you. Come on, make a little noise with me this morning. If, if, if I got to go through life by myself, I'm just quitting right now. You Christians use that Jesus stuff as a crutch. Glad you noticed. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, 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 really, I, 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 
smart enough to know that I was a spiritual crippled dude and I needed a savior. My last point very quickly, turn to Luke chapter 5. Your, your, your pastor's already quoted something out of there. Last thing I love about Jesus is that he honors faith. There were some guys that were brought to Jesus on a, on a cot. They let him down through the roof. I, I call the guy Oscar. I don't, I don't know that, that is, that's his name, but you don't know that it's not. So <laughs> There. Okay. I call him Amen on a bed with a palsy. Amen? On a bed with a palsy. <laughs> okay. And they let him down. And, and, and Jesus, look, look, look at verse 20. And when he saw their faith, he said to them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now, these, these, these guys went to great efforts to get this guy up there. Imagine it's a hot day and they're trying to get up on the, on the roof. They let him down through the roof, you know. And, and Jesus is in the house preaching and they kind of snuck up there. And Oscar's kind of heavy, you know. And they got the little skinny steps. And the guys on the bottom are looking at each other. You didn't wear your arid extra dry today, you know. And they're trying to carry the cot up and they set it down. They start, and Jesus is in there preaching. And while he's preaching, all of a sudden you hear this. Vroom! And they cut this big hole in the roof. Now, they can't let him in head first or they'll have to raise him from the dead. They had to cut at least as big as the couch. And all the eyes in the whole place are going, huh, that wasn't in the bulletin. I wonder if this happens in all of his meetings. This other guy's, I was there the night they took up the offering to put on that roof, and that's the part I paid for. You know, Jesus is the only one that sees faith. He ain't worried about that roof. He's a carpenter. He grew up in the house of Joe. It wasn't his dad, but he grew up in the house of Joe. Am I preaching good yet? Come on now. And, and Jesus looks at the man and says, now imagine you're on the roof holding the rope, you know, because they let him down like one, two, three, one, two, three. And here comes Oscar. You know, I kind of like to think he's hanging there in front of Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, man, your sins are forgiven. And the guys up here hold, hold, on, on the road, they're, they're, they're going, did he say sin? Can't he see it's palsy? Jesus, it's palsy, palsy, palsy. Palsy! The guys are down there. Jesus, why did Jesus say that to him? Well, a couple reasons, maybe. The only two I've come up with. Healing and forgiveness are tied together. It says, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. By his stripes were healed. Come on, amen. The same Jesus that can heal you can forgive you and forgive you and heal you. But, uh, Tiffany one day and I were talking, she, she pointed out something really great. And she said, well, you know, he just needed to know he was forgiven, that he was worthy. See, there might be some of you. Christine, just come to this piano today, please. There might be some of you today that think, maybe, you know, man, I've not been a real angel. I've not been a perfect person. Well, join the crowd. None of us have. We all came the same way. But you don't, you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. That's what grace means. Come on, amen? That doesn't give us a license to be stupid. But grace simply means, you know, we didn't deserve it. And in spite of all he knows about us, he said, I'm forgiving you, son. And now, you know, when, you, when you're forgiven, <laughs> and you really know you are. I mean, it's not just a mental thing, but you really know that God, like, 
Did, did you know God really likes you? He don't just love you. If God had a billfold, he'd have a picture of you in it. If God had a refrigerator, he'd have a picture of you on it. That's all you're going to remember about my whole sermon, isn't it? <laughs> Bowman said God had a refrigerator. <laughs> little chorus we recorded a few years ago. It's by grace, not by works that you are saved, by his blood. All your sins are washed away. You can't work your way to heaven. It's a gift you get by faith. There's no price that you could pay. It's by grace. Let's all stand up and sing it together. It's by grace, not by works. Sing with me. Not by works that you are saved. By His blood, all your sins are washed away. All your sins are washed away. You can't work your way to heaven. It's a gift you get by faith. There's no price that you could pay. It's by grace. Dear Father, we thank you for these precious souls that have come today and Lord, I, I ask you to just bless them with this word today and make it reality, make it practical, make it relevant for them. Thank you for Jesus and what he did for us. Can we all just lift our hands and thank God? Every now and then, it's just good to thank Jesus for dying for you. Come on, just thank Jesus that he's loved you in spite of yourself, you know, and he's been so merciful to us and so gracious. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. I'm going to ask Pastor Sissel to come to the platform, and I want him just to pray, do whatever you feel to do, Pastor, with your people, and thank you. Amen. Yes. Good word. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Good word. I wonder if we might lift up another hand clap to Jesus right now. Amen. Yeah. Father, we love you. And we cannot thank you enough for what you have done for us, especially in giving your son to die in our place. God, to lift our burden, Lord, and to bless us with your grace and your mercy. Lord, I love that, that you made it possible for us. That you say we can boldly come before your throne of grace to obtain mercy. God, we get what we don't deserve because you've given us what you deemed we deserve. So we love you for that, and we thank you today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. amen.